Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. All right, Luke chapter 11. Uh, now, of course, this is our, our, our second week of, you know, 2022. How's everyone's year been going so far? Uh, been, all right, some of you are good. I notice it's the kids that are having a good year. Us adults realize 2022 ain't started out so good. Uh, it, it has been free. I remember the New Year's Day, uh, I was in Lynchburg at a funeral, and it was 78 degrees, and I loved it. And then the next day, it was like 20 degrees, and I hated it. And all you people who like the cold weather, I seriously think you need to go to a psychologist uh, because it's just not natural. But we are in our second week, not only of 2022, but the second week of our year of prayer. And we began a series uh, the first Sunday uh, entitled Ask. Um, And we're looking at the the teachings of Jesus specifically found in Luke chapter number 11. Now, I told you before, this is going to be the year of prayer. We've got our prayer board up here, and I'm excited to see everyone uh, putting their prayer requests up there. And I'm asking you to pray for them uh, every uh, Wednesday uh, around noon, uh, noon 30, uh, we're going to have a live prayer time where I will go through these prayer requests live on Facebook and you can join us and pray with us. But I encourage you, especially the ones you put up here, pray for them every day on your own or say, I'm going to have a, a day a week. I'm going to pray for these impossible prayer requests and just include it into your regular prayer time. And the whole point of this year is to really get us more faithful in our prayer, more trusting in our prayer, to really not become just a people of prayer, but as God commands us to be a house of prayer. God wants his church to be a house of prayer. We're going to, throughout the year, we're going to have all kinds of things to kind of help you with that. Uh, We've got some prayer journals coming that when they get here, I'm going to show you how to do a prayer journal to kind of help you in your prayer life and keep you on track and keep you on focus. And the sermons throughout the year we're going to be focused on prayer. Now, I'm not preaching prayer 52 weeks this year because that's going to get kind of repetitive. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like preaching topical sermons. Uh, I'd rather preach expository sermons where I take a passage of Scripture or a book of Scripture and kind of go through it verse by verse or section by section so we can get the whole context. Uh, So I, I do topical sermons from time to time, but like right after this, we're going to probably look at Acts because the book of Acts is... Uh, a great book on prayer. And so we're going to be looking at really different parts of the Bible and how they are to teach us to pray. But in Luke chapter 11, we get the, the teaching of Jesus right after his disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus teaches them how to pray. He gives them some parables about what is some hindrances to prayer. But you could really summarize all of Jesus' teachings on prayer And one phrase, and that phrase is just ask. Just ask. Too many of us, we we struggle in our prayer life, even asking God for anything. We don't have our prayers answered because we're not going to God about things. We're not faithful in our prayers. We don't, and there's a lot of reasons why we don't pray. And we saw one of the, the reasons that we don't pray last week that God gave us that we don't pray is because we have, we struggle with, unanswered prayers. We pray. We pray for good things. Now, I'm not talking about, now look, I know 
Uh, y'all have seen it probably in, in the news or on Facebook or whatever. The, the lottery, the interstate lottery has gotten up to like $900 million or something. And it's amazing when the lottery gets that high, it's amazing how many friends of mine who are believers start putting on faith, hey, pray that I win the lottery. Pray that I win the lottery. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be honest with you. God's not going to answer that prayer. Uh, Say, so how do you know that, Pastor? Because I've prayed that prayer, and it didn't work. Uh, you can't pray for God to help your, your sports team win the national championship. How do I know that? Again, I've done it. It only worked once. So I don't recommend doing that. So, but we do struggle with, we pray for good things. Lord, heal my loved one. God, give me this job. Lord, or we pray for people to be saved. Lord, help, help my, my son or my daughter or my parents or my loved. Lord, help them to, to realize their salvation. We pray for people to get saved and we pray these good godly, you know, decent prayers, and they don't get answered. And we struggle with that. And Jesus talked, we talked last week how God teaches us that we, even though we do have sometimes prayers that God doesn't, and here's the thing, it's not that God's not answering your prayer. It's that God's not answering your prayer the way you want him to. He's answering. He's just answering according to his will and not your will because he knows what's best for you. He doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. You know, we've seen the book of Psalms, David talking about uh, the children in, in, the, in the wilderness as they wandered in the wilderness. He says, God gave them the desires of their heart, but sent leanness into their soul. He, told them, he goes, I'm going to give you what you, what, you, what you want, not what you need, and it's never going to satisfy. So the Bible teaches us, Jesus taught us, that even despite, you know, lack of God seeming not to answer our prayer, we are to pray desperately, boldly, persistently, and trustingly. Now, sometimes, as I, after I preach a sermon or while I'm preaching, I wonder if some of you are listening, specifically Connor. Hey, I got his attention. Sometimes I wonder if Connor's listening. Last week after the message, he came right up to me and said, Dad, I want chicken nuggets. Say, why do you say that? Because I said in my sermon that if a child asked their father for chicken nuggets, he said, you said if a kid asked their dad for chicken nuggets, a good father would give it to them. And so he comes up and says, Dad, I want chicken nuggets. I said, that's not what I said. I said, if a child asked for chicken nuggets, a good father wouldn't give him rocks. He may not be able to give him chicken nuggets, but give him, give him something. And so he, he did listen uh, a little bit, um, but, you know, he, he gets some of it, but not exactly what I want. So he asked, chicken, asked for chicken nuggets, and as a good father who is not God, I said, I can't give you chicken nuggets, but I can give you pork roast. And he chose, I think, to eat a hot dog. Oh, my God, I don't know what he ate, but he doesn't eat a hot dog anyway. And so, you know, no good father uh, would give their kids something bad for them if they asked for it, but, you know, he heard something. Now... A lot of us, we, we struggle with our prayer time, especially if we're praying publicly. You ever get nervous when you're in a prayer meeting and, public, and people are going around the room praying and it comes to you and what are you going to say? You ever get nervous doing that? I do. Sometimes because I've, and I've been as a, you know, of course, before we started the church, I went on deputation and traveled and I'd be in some places where people were crazy in their prayers, like I'm saying, like you go to, you, you think, oh, every Baptist church is the same? Oh, no, they're not. You go to a Baptist church in deep south southern Georgia, they crazy. 
Like, I'm going to a prayer room, and they're like, hey, we're all going to meet in a prayer room. We're going to pray. And I think, okay, well, I've done this. And so I gather all the men, and we're going to pray. And they say, all right, everybody start praying. And they all start praying at once, which is not, my, I don't mind that. I don't mind people praying at once. But they're like stomping, and, oh, Heavenly Father. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And so I was like, all right, all right, preacher, you pray. I'm like, I don't know what to say here. So I just start jumping up and down, too. Like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing. But sometimes we, we struggle not just public prayer. We struggle in our private prayer life because we don't really know what to say. You know, you don't, you know I don't want to go, oh, no. <laughs> I've been in foreign countries where they pray, too, and I'm just like, I'm just, Lord, they're your children, too. They're a little weird in my book, but I'm probably a little weird in their book. So, yeah, I've been in some places where it's like you feel bad praying or you feel scared praying. But even in our public, our private prayer, we don't, we don't really know what to say. Or we, we pray things that really don't make a lot of sense. And I've told you this before. You know, when we're going on trips, we pray a, a hedge of protection around us. What is that? What is a hedge of protection? And look, if I'm traveling down the highway with a bunch of 18-wheelers and other crazy drivers, I want more protection than a hedge. I want like a steel wall around. Oh, Lord, pray we pray a, a hedge of protection around us, or we pray over our food. Lord, bless this bacon double cheeseburger to my body. That's an impossible prayer request. Or when we're praying for our food, Lord, bless the hands that prepare it. Anybody ever say that, bless the hands that prepare it? Why do we just bless the hands? Why don't we bless the whole person? We're just blessing their hands. And so we, we pray these things that sometimes they don't really make a lot of sense, or... We, we pray and we're just kind of repeating God's name over and over. You know, we pray, oh, Lord, Father God, thank you, Father God. Lord, just bless us, Father God. Father God, I ask you to help me, to the Lord, Father God. Father God, please, oh, Lord, Father God. And we just say, you know, his name over and over and over again. And look, we don't talk to people like that. If you went, if I was talking to Lewis, oh, Lewis, brother, thank you, Lewis, brother, for coming, Lewis, brother. Lewis, brother, can I ask you a question, Lewis, brother? He'd be like, what, did, did you have a stroke? But that's how we talk to God, just over and over and over again. Now, or, you know, somebody, you ever had somebody ask you to pray for a dumb prayer request? I've had people ask for dumb stuff. But look, there's this uh, Christian comedian, John Chris. Anyone know John, his, his, his work? He talks about uh, dumb prayer requests. He goes, he was in church one day, and someone came up to him and said, hey, would you pray for my son in his karate tournament this weekend? He's like, what am I going to pray? That his, his foot through the Holy Spirit finds the face of the other kid? And the great physician knocks that child out. Like, how, do you, how do you pray for a karate tournament? And so we, we struggle in our prayer life. Now, luckily, Jesus tells us exactly how to pray. Luke chapter 11, it gives us a prayer outline, a template that we are to follow. And again, last week we talked about overcoming the greatest obstacle to prayer, which is unanswered prayer. This time, Jesus is going to, in this section, Jesus is going to show us the second biggest obstacle to our prayer lot, to not praying, is we just don't know how to pray. So again, back in Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus had asked a question in verse uh, number one. And it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, he ceased one of his disciples, said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say. So notice here, we have to be taught to pray. His disciples come, and I, I looked it up in the Greek. You know, I like to look up and exegete things. When he says, teach us to, when they say, teach us to pray, 
It doesn't mean how to. They literally, in the Greek, it means teach us how to, how, teach us to approach God. Not how to approach God, but teach us to pray. Teach us to become in the habit of prayer. And when Jesus teaches them not just to pray, but he teaches them how to pray, we're going to notice he doesn't say, just say whatever you want to. When you pray, just say whatever's on your mind. Now, we're going to get in. You can do that, but there are some things, there are some outlines God wants us to go through. But it doesn't say, just say whatever you want and, and all prayers are accepted by God because they're not. There is a correct way to pray. Matthew in the book of Matthew, he records the exact same teaching, and he says in Matthew 6, 7, But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. All Father God, bless us, Father God, help us, Father God, Lord, love us, Father God. Or just saying the same, the same prayer. You know, a lot of religions have uh, these prayers they go through. Muslims have it, some Catholics have it, where they, they recite these prayers and this is the prayer for this, and this is the prayer for that. That's vain. And say, like, oh, we, we're Christians. We don't do that. Yeah, we do. How many of us have a prayer list? We just, we, when we go to God in pray, prayer, we pray the exact same thing every single time because that's what's on the list and we don't change it. That's a vain repetition. It says, uh, don't uh, use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. So, Jesus, in Matthew, he criticizes long prayers. Now, don't get excited. He never says anything about long sermons. Right? Long prayers, no, no. Long sermons, okay. Now, the, long, the problem with long sermons, because again, if you've got a long prayer list, and we're going to prayer advance in a couple weeks, and they have the sweet hour of prayer, and I'm not, I'm not saying there's a certain time limit, 15 minutes is it. God doesn't want to hear after that. I'm not saying that there's a length of time you should and shouldn't pray. I'm just saying too many of us, we have this list and we just go through it repetitively and over and over. And Jesus is saying, look, you, you don't just go to God saying the exact same things every single time because when the problem with long prayers is during this time and today, people tend to think they're going to be heard because of their much speaking. They thought that if they prayed a certain amount, if they said the right words, then God was obligated to hear them. Now, here's the thing. We do not pray to an inattentive deity that makes us jump through hoops to get his attention. We don't have to go through step A, step B, step C, in the right order, at the right time, during the right length, saying the right things, just to wake God up so he'll pay attention to us. We pray to a loving Heavenly Father that we do not have to persuade to hear us. He, he cares about us. We pray to a Father that knows what we need before we even do. We pray to a Father that only has our good in mind. We are adopted into God's family. We are chosen by him. We are accepted by him. We are loved by him. But still too many of us, we pray to God like we're orphans, trying to get his attention so he will love us, so he will choose us. But he already has. We are made children through the finished work of Jesus Christ, and there is nothing that we have to do to entice God to hear us. So we're going to see this in a minute, but prayer 
begins by embracing the fatherhood of God. And that's where Jesus begins his teaching on prayer. So according to Jesus, how do we pray? Let's look at Luke chapter 11. We're going to start in verse number 2. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, again, Jesus didn't give us a prayer to pray. He didn't say, say these things over and over and over again, and you'll, you'll be, you'll, you'll, God will hear your prayers. Because again, he's not, he doesn't want vain repetition. He's given us a template on how to pray. So how do we pray to God? First thing we need to do, we need to recognize our relationship. Look again, when you pray, say, our Father. Our Father. How we approach God in prayer, it shows if we really understand what the gospel's all about. Because we're not praying to a, an arrogant, inattentive, holier than us, because he is holier than us. We're not praying to a God that makes us jump through a bunch of hoops to make us get his attention. We are praying to a God that loves us. We are praying to our father, to our daddy. Paul Miller says this, when we slow down to pray, we are immediately confronted with how unspiritual we are. In contrast, children never get frozen by their selfishness. They just come as they are, totally self-absorbed. Jesus tells us to become like a little child when we pray. How do little children ask? They just say what's on their minds. They have no awareness of what is inappropriate or appropriate. This isn't just a random observation about how parents respond to little children. This is the gospel. So again, remember, he tells us later on that we're to go to God like a child. How do children ask their parents for things? When you're, you, you dads, when your kids come to you, do they come to you and say, Oh, Father, precious Father, would you please, Oh, Father, help me, Oh, Father, uh, give me something to eat? No. Kids just say whatever they want. You know, there's those TV shows, Kids Say the Darndest Things. You know why they have that show, Kids Say the Darndest Because kids have no filter. They don't care what's right. They don't care what's appropriate. They just, I want this. Dad can get it to me, so I'm going to ask him for it. And so when your kids come to you, do you make your kids jump through a bunch of hoops to, I'm not saying to give them what they want, because look, my kids will come to me and say, hey, Dad, can I have this? And I'm like, yeah, sure, if you want you to clean your room. And I'll make them jump through hoops to get me to answer. Say, why? Because I'm not God. I'm, I'm not, you know, God's better than me at being a father. But I don't make them go through a list of things they have to do before they can even ask me a question. Like, hey, Dad, no, no, did you... Did you read your Bible yet? Did you read a chapter? Did you memorize my, my commandment from yesterday? Did you obey my commandment? Did you do all? No. They're just going to say, hey, Dad. And they'll come whenever. They'll come when I'm asleep. They'll come when I'm reading a book or watching TV or talking. Look, and me and April, one of the greatest things about being an adult is nap time. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all like naps as adults? Hate them as kids. Love them now. If I don't know where my kids are, all I got to do is lay down to take a nap, and guess what? They're coming. 
As soon as I try to go to sleep, hey, dad, 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 can you do this? Can you turn on my phone? Can you do this, dad? They don't care what I'm doing. They just, they boldly, and that's how we are to approach God. You know, kids don't go through rituals to ask us stuff. They just ask what's on their mind. God accepts us as we are. God accepts us with all of our mess because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so when we are approaching the throne, we are coming to a loving, attentive, caring, heavenly Father. We come to Dad that wants to hear our needs, that wants to fulfill our our needs, and we don't have to say the right words. We can just speak to God. We don't have to say the right things or come at the right time or go through the right motions. All you got to do is say, hey, Dad i got a problem. Recognize our relationship. Secondly, realize our purpose. Again, look at at chapter 11. When you pray, uh, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, we're going to talk about what hallowed means, but notice we're already step two into this, and we haven't asked God for anything. Now, most of us, immediately we go to God and say, God, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Jesus says, when you go to God, you'll get to what you need, but first we are to hallow God's name. Now, prayer is more than being right with God and going through a list of needs that God already knows about. So, what does hallowed mean? Hallowed means to sanctify and to purify. Now, we're not sanctifying We're not purifying God because he's already pure. He's already holy. He's already set apart. We are sanctifying or purifying his name in our hearts. We are asking God to glorify himself in our eyes and to allow us to bring him glory through our lives. See, hallowing God is seeing him as as he is, which is better than anything we're asking for. God is better than the healing that we're seeking. God is better than the job that we want to have. God is better than the answer to any prayer we could go to him about. So what Halloween is named is saying, God... What I, this is, I have needs, I have burdens, I have problems, but God, if I don't get any of it fixed, Lord, I have you, and that's all I need. It is seeing God as he truly is. It is recognizing that the point of our life is to bring glory to God. See, life isn't about God blessing you. Life is about us blessing him, building his kingdom and building over our kingdom. Hallowing his name is remembering why you exist in the first place. You exist to serve him. You exist to bring glory to him. So realize your relationship. Realize your purpose. Thirdly, surrender to his will. And then he says, um, I keep losing my place here. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Now this is surrendering to God's plan for your life on earth. See, prayer isn't getting God to work in your plan. It is seeking to join God where he is working on earth. Now, how do we do that? Well, first thing we got to do, you have to know 
the Word of God. Know the Bible. Read the Bible. Meditate on the Bible. Memorize the Bible. You have to know the Bible because the Word of God has God's plan for earth in it. We know what's God's plan. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants us to to get the word of the gospel, to spread his word and to build his kingdom throughout the world and throughout the nations and throughout every tongue and tribe. God wants us to be conduits of his glory and his love and his reconciliation to give the gospel to the entire world. That's God's plan on earth. We got to know that. But then we, we pray in the Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what our part is in that plan. That's God's global plan, but every single one of us have a part in that plan. God, we got to know the promises of God. You know, if you go to God and you are praying, that's what we're going to talk about praying Scripture later on in the year about how to pray over Scripture or how to pray the Bible. Because you know, if you pray a promise of God to you, God's going to answer that promise. He has to. He has to keep his word. So we can know the promises of God and pray to God to keep his word. And we know that he will to, to know his will, to pray with the Holy Spirit. And that's, you know, the Spirit of God reveals to us what God's will is for us. You know, as we read the Bible, as we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit reveals God's will to us and through us so we can serve him better. Here's, here's the thing. Prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is listening as God talks to you. You know, think about a conversation with your spouse. Because again, prayer is a relationship. When you talk to your spouse, hopefully you don't just tell her everything that's bugging you and then say, thanks for listening and go away. No. If you do that, you're not going to have a spouse for very long, I can tell you that. Conversation is, is two ways. You talk, you listen. You talk, they talk. You listen, they listen. So prayer is talking to God and then listening to God to talk to you. So we surrender to his will. Fourth thing we do is we depend on God. Verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. How many of you this morning, today, Ask God to make sure you had food today. How many of y'all said, God, make sure I eat today? Now, we, we, you probably blessed your food. If you ate, haven't eaten today, I don't eat breakfast on Sundays because GERD and heartburn make me burp and vomit. And that's not good while I'm preaching. Nobody wants that. But I'm going to eat after church. But I didn't wake up this morning and say, God, please make sure I have food. Now, look. There have been times I did not know where my next meal was coming from. Me and April in Bible college, there were times we had, we had no, and I'm not talking about like we had no food, like, you know, my kids today will go home and they say, we have no food, there's no food in this house. And what they really mean is there's nothing in this house I want to eat. Like there's plenty of food, you just don't want that food. Suck it up and eat what I got you. I don't want carrots, I want Pop-Tarts. Well, I'm a good father, eat the carrots. And so, but there were times in Bible college when I say we had no food, we had no food. And I had no idea where my next meal was coming from, and God always provided. But it never really, I never went to God and said, God, please make sure we eat today. I did go to God and say, God, I don't know what we're going to do. 
you're going to take care of it. I trust you. And we would come home and God would have food. And there was one time, I mean, God provided, and I, I, I don't like griping about it, but we, we came home one night and somebody had left us just a ton of uh, frozen vegetables and some uh, tomato juice. And so we made this huge pot of, toma- of uh, vegetable soup. And we ate vegetable soup for two weeks. And I hate vegetable soup now. Despise it. You make me a, a pot of some vegetable soup, I ain't going to eat it. But why? Because for two weeks, God fed me. Now, at the time, I loved it. I, was, I appreciated it. Thank you, God, for doing this for me. But God always provided. But we don't often go to God and say, God, make sure I eat today. Because we don't wonder where our, our next meal is coming from. You know, God, what this is talking about is, again, God's not saying get up and, make, and say, God, please make sure I eat. God just wants us to realize that we are to depend on him for everything. We are to understand, God, without you today, I'm not going to eat. Lord, without you today, I'm not going to breathe because you give me, you know, no one, none of us wake up and say, God, make sure I get enough oxygen today. Make sure my, you, now, stop breathing and you may start praying real quick, God, give me oxygen. But we don't, we don't think about it. This is natural. And God's saying, hey, we are to realize that we are to depend on him for everything. The word, the, the phrase daily bread in the Greek, it literally means today's bread. It is a day-by-day dependence on God. It is recognizing that God is the source of everything and depending on him to provide what we need. Anything you need, you can go to God and depending on him to provide it. God says, if you come to me on anything you need, I will provide it for you. Philippians 4, uh, 6 is the greatest prayer promise in the Bible, in my opinion. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with gratitude, make your request known to God. See, what the Bible says there is anything that you are worrying about, you can go to God in prayer. What that means is, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Now, look, what matters to you may not matter to me. I may think what matters to you and making you anxious is silly. You know why? Because I'm not God. But you can go to God and God says, if, if it bothers you, if it concerns you, if it's causing you anxiety, then I care about it. And we should pray about it. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We can go to him with everything and get peace from him. Those who depend on God find rest in God. Fifth thing that Jesus tells us to do is to forgive, to confess our sins. <clears throat> Again, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Confession is a vital part of prayer. The Bible says if we have iniquity, which is, and iniquity, is a, it's a kind of a strange word because uh, we don't really equate it with sin. Iniquity isn't just sin. Iniquity is sin that you think you have the right to do and you don't want to give up. This is, this is you know, I have the right, I, I'm going to do this. I know what the Bible says, but I don't care. I know what society, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do because it makes me happy. I don't care what God says. I'll ask for everything else. That's iniquity. It's that, it's that feeling that you deserve to sin. But God says you, you, reserve, you regard sin in your life. God 
will not hear you. So confession is important because it brings to light sin in our life so it doesn't spread. And look, sometimes, and I'm going to be honest with you, I talk about this in high school, you know, over the, I've, I've been a, a believer now for a couple decades. I don't struggle with what I used to struggle with when I first got saved. I don't, I just, those sins, they don't bother me. I don't struggle with them anymore. I still have things in to, to, to take care of them. But I'm never, and you are never going to get to the point where you do not sin. Now, you may not have an obvious sin that you do. You may not go out and murder someone, I hope. You may not go out and steal. You may not go out and, you know, just lie and commit. You may not do the, the big obvious ones, but you all have, we all have sin in our hearts and in our life. And so we need to go to God and say, sometimes say, God, reveal to me the sins I've committed that I, I don't, I, maybe I forgot about, maybe I didn't realize. Maybe I offended someone and I didn't realize it. And so that's a sin I need to deal with. And so we're to confess our sin. So sin, it brings, uh, confessing sin, it brings our sin to light so it doesn't spread, but it does something else. Notice the rest of that verse. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now that, that for there doesn't, it's not saying forgive us our sins because we forgave everybody else. It literally means forgive us our sins so that we can forgive everybody else. We can forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgive us so we can forgive others. When we are honest about our sins, it changes our attitudes towards other people. It kills our pride because we realize how gracious God has been to us so we are able to give grace and mercy and forgiveness towards others. So confess our sins. And the sixth thing that we're going to look at in the last one, Sixth thing to do when we pray is number six, ask for protection. Look at uh, verse number four again. Forgive us our sins that we forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the prayer I pray the most for myself, for my kids, for my wife, that God would protect us, that God would keep us from being tempted, would keep us from evil. Why? Because the natural man does not desire the things of God. Left to yourself, you don't care what God wants. The natural man doesn't, doesn't seek purity, doesn't seek righteousness. It is against our nature. Without God's grace, we will all live selfish, sin-filled lives. And a life not lived for God is sin. And the world that we live in is full of temptations. Full of, and look, I'm not just talking about temptations. For, you know, we all know about, you know, you're, you're watching TV and all of a sudden a commercial comes on with, with just, you know, lust-filled images in it and you want to, it causes you to lust and things like that. And now they, you know, I'm not just a bacon cheeseburger, but the woman that's got the bacon. I'm not talking about just that or driving down the road and, oh, there's a billboard all of a sudden. Yeah, that's, that's temptation we know about. The world's full of temptations for us to not live for God or not walk with God. And look, 2020 did a lot to get us there. Because, again, I thank 
Thank you all for being faithful to the Lord and being here. But there's still some of you who are watching on Facebook who can be in church, but you're not. Why? Because we got Facebook Live. You can worship from home. You can praise God from your couch. And look, you can do that, and that's okay when you need to. But the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Doesn't say not forsaking logging on at 11 o'clock a.m. so I can worship in my jammies. If you need, if you're sick and need to worship in your jammies for a week or two, great. But after that, get dressed and get your hind parts of church. Amen? But there's a temptation to stay home. Well, I'll worship God from home. And what, what became a necessity, what became something we could do when, when it was necessary, becomes something we, have, we do all the time because that's what it is. And so the world is full of temptations to turn us away from God, to help make us live for ourselves, and we all need protection. Look, especially our kids. The stuff they are learning, and look, not just learning in school, because look, the stuff they learn, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what your kids learn in school, because my kids are homeschooled. I don't know what they're learning. So that's on you to find out. That's on you to know. I know what my kids are learning, but you know what? They also learn from YouTube. Some horrible stuff from regular TV shows. Some, some horrible. I mean, in April, we've, we had to buckle back down because we got kind of out of the habit of really checking. And we figured if it's on Netflix Kids, it's fine. It ain't fine. There was a show uh, Lexi was watching, She-Ra. You know, how many of y'all who are my age remember She-Ra? Yeah, He-Man and She-Ra. I love He-Man. Oh, I have the power and Skeletor. I didn't much care for She-Ra. I like He-Man. But, you know, so Lexi's like, hey, Dad, can I watch She-Ra? I'm like, sure. Watch She-Ra. Go for it. And then I started looking into what She-Ra was. She-Ra, now, current day, not She-Ra from the 80s. she from the 80s is still awesome, all right? I know some of you couldn't watch He-Man because he said, I had the power and God's had the power. I know that. But, <laughs> yeah, so some of you couldn't watch He-Man, some of you could, whatever. But She-Ra now is a bunch of female warriors, which, again, I don't mind female warriors, women empowerment, yeah, 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 whatever. But they're, they're transgender women or lesbian women, and they're all these different sexualities of women getting married and living together and all. And I, I, read, I saw that, and I was reading, I'm like, this is Netflix Kids. This is for 4 to 12-year-olds. So she got mad, but guess what got blocked from Netflix? Shira. You got to watch what they're, what they're watching because the world, and again, you talk about stuff like that, and people are like, oh, you just want them to, I don't want anyone to be oppressed or prejudiced against or put down or harmed or neglected because of, of their sin, because I don't want that for me. But I don't want to say, well, that's fine, accept it, live with it, and you know, God's fine with it, so you just do it too. No. We need to teach our kids, hey, this is what God says. It's wrong. And yeah, you treat people with respect, but you treat them, you give them the truth in love. And so we got to, Lord, I got to pray, Lord, protect my kids because I can't, I, can't, I can't watch them all the time. It, is, it was so much easier when Parker was a kid and there wasn't YouTube and Netflix. And you, I could monitor what he watched because it was on a, a, a DVD or a VHS I purchased. And so I know he's watching Andy Griffith. Although Barney had a little bit of some issues there. 
But I knew what he was watching. It's, it's so hard now to monitor what they're watching, to monitor what they're doing, to monitor what they're being influenced. So what do I got to pray? God, protect them. Keep them from evil. Keep them from temptation. But here's the thing. You need protection. I need protection. So we pray for God to deliver us from evil and to protect us. Look, prayer is vital in the life of a believer. But it is more than going to God and giving him a list of things that we want. It is realizing that we are talking to a loving Heavenly Father. It is worshiping him for who he is. It is surrendering to his will for your life. It is depending on him for everything. It is confessing your sin to him and is asking him for protection and guidance in this evil world. So real quick, I'm going to give you a simple outline that I've used for prayer and other people use for prayer, and it's simply acts. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on, but acts is simply adoration, praising God for who he is, confession, that's self-explanatory, confessing your sins to God, thanksgiving, thanking God for everything he's done for you, and supplication. Going to God and saying, okay, God, this is what I need. But always remember to end that with, Lord, this is what I need, but what I really need is you. What I really need is your presence and your power in my life. But the most important part of prayer is just doing it. So look, if you do not pray at all, if your prayers consist of coming to church and I say, bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to open up, if that's your prayer life, I don't care if you go, if you get a prayer journal and start acts, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, something. If, if all you do is tomorrow morning get up and say, God, I don't know what to say. I'm just starting this thing off. I just need you today. Amen. Great. Start there. Start somewhere. Just start talking. Maybe you've got a prayer life, but it's become kind of ritualistic. Shake it up a little bit. Say, God, I'm gonna, I, just, I need you to help me and, to bless, and help me to learn how to pray, God. The disciples asked, his, uh, asked Jesus, teach us to pray. There's nothing wrong with you going on saying, God, I, I got kind of ritualistic in this. Help me to pray. Most important part of prayer is just doing it. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.